Iowa everywhere. Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa everywhere. This is Iowa everywhere. Yo, it's J-Bo and Jared, Jared and J-Bo. I don't know. I still don't know all these years or all these episodes at this point, but uh, did you turn, did you turn down your headphones? Like I told you to, uh, well, you started the damn show before I even could talk. I went muted. You didn't even hear me. Well, no, that's what I said to you. I was like, I said, are you ready? And you said, yes. And then I said, I'm going to start it. And then you, I said, okay, remember to turn down your headphones. And then I, yeah, and, then the I and then I said something right after that, like literally a nanosecond right after you said that. And then all of a sudden I hear a boom, 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 boom. My water's shaking on my table and shit. <laughs> oh, man. What's up, dude? How's it going? You got moved into your new apartment. The washing dryer, washer dryer's right next to your bed. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I got a dilemma going on with my apartment. I don't know what to think of it. I'm happy, though. I was in a hotel for si- what, 16 days straight, so it's oh, nice man. to have a little different scene. Yeah, no, that, that does sound a lot better. Uh, yeah. I, I'm Do we show you're... everyone? Yeah, show I was going to say, I feel like you need to show everyone. You're going to get your yeah. steps in, dude, walking around yep. in this apartment, going from one end to the other. Where I don't know if I've ever seen an apartment this narrow and just, it's just long. And before anyone calls me, like, this is there, there's going to be podcast listeners. Yeah, like, I, I'm I'm very grateful to have a place, but... This is the longest and narrowest hallway I've ever seen in my life. Like that, that looks insane. like a that looks like the egg goal you would have in like a scary movie. Someone's gonna jump out from around that corner. And then we have, we have two beautiful like don't get me wrong these beauty these dryers and washers are very like advanced, but there my bed right here and then boom, boom. crazy this is just this is such like a first uh first apartment out of college even though you know obviously you're uh playing professional basketball and everything but this screams first apartment out of college you know just like the most basic of of situations oh yeah and i like i'm said i'm grateful i have a place because i don't have to pay rent and the wolves are taking care of it that's fucking awesome but this is a different adventure i feel like i'm officially like my balls dropped. My balls have dropped. <laughs> when your washer and dryer is in the same room as your bedroom, your balls drop. Oh man, I can't. Oh, I'm crying, dude. That's too funny. Oh, are you excited for your season opener on Saturday? How'd the weekend yeah, in Chicago go? It was good. You know, I, I was actually kind of stressed because I didn't know if I was going to make the, make the team and I made the training camp roster and that alone is, you know, I, a testament to the work I've put in my whole life, but dude, these, these dudes at this level, like people can make fun of the G league all they want, but bro, like there's a reason why over was it 45% of people in the NBA now have come from the G league because they, they're really invested in this league and people can hoop. Like I have four, I think five people on my team right now that have been, or are currently in the NBA right now. I mean, Wendell Moore just got brought down from the T wolves, Emmanuel Moutier. Some of you guys remember him. He was a lottery mm-hmm. pick. Like these dudes are issues like PJ Dozer, like another guy that's been in the league for a while. Luca, obviously I mean, just go down the line. It's, it's a great experience. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Man, and then DJ Carton too. Obviously, the DJ Carton kid. Too, yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, no, the G League man, I feel like is one of those things that people uh, don't appreciate enough yet. But like in a couple years, people are going to start to understand. Like, oh man, this like is pretty damn close to probably being one of the, if not the second best basketball league in the world. Like, 
third or fourth. I mean, or, or close behind being whatever is ahead of it, you know, like with the Euro League and all that kind of stuff or the, you know, with ball over in Spain. But man, just up and down, you see the, you just look at every G League roster now. I remember, you know, probably five, six, seven years ago, like when Monte or those guys were coming through, you would look at their teams and you'd be like, man, who are the, like some of these guys? And now it's every team you look at are people that you remember or people you recognize from playing college ball. And, you know, I just, I, I think that that is just such a, a so much more viable option for everybody, you know, coming out of college basketball than what it was a couple of years ago where guys like you who would immediately go overseas can kind of get an opportunity. And, you know, and again, like you never know who can see you, you know, or who will see you. Yeah. And that's why the main reason why I decided not to go overseas to one, if I was, if I worked my butt off this summer to get an opportunity like I have with the Wolves and make the team this season, like this experience alone, like even if I just like I, the coach, um, you know, there's a lot of NBA guys and they decide to play, they're going to play those guys. If they come back down for the Wolves and I don't get a lot of playing time, like this experience alone is something that not a lot of people can say they've ever had. I think that, you know, whether I get decide to continue with basketball these next few years, like I hope so. I mean, but if not, dude, this is, I've only been like a couple weeks in, but this is incredible just to witness the work it takes to get here and, um, and everything around it. it. It's pretty special. How are you shooting on that NBA line? Dude, that doesn't, it doesn't affect me. All right. All, all right. Hey, anyone, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Of anyone that has ever made the job, you, you would think that I wouldn't have the issue. I already shot. From I didn't that think you had an issue. I was just asking. You know. No, just, you're you're implying. No, I mean, I I just think that you know, obviously, there's an adjustment there. One of the best, uh, one of the best pieces of like basketball analysis I think I've heard that I think has proven out to be true was when when the college line moved from where it was to now where it's at, like at the international line, which was only like, I don't know, a foot and a half or something. It wasn't anything crazy. You know, uh, I asked Bruce Weber when he was coaching at Kansas state, we were at big 12 media day. I asked him what he thought the impact of that would be. And he said, he thinks it won't impact good shooters, but the guys who were like average or maybe a little bit above average, were going to become mediocre and streaky shooters. And I think if you look all across basketball uh, or all across college basketball, and you look at a guy who was maybe like a 38, 39, 40% three point shooter as like a freshman that year before that happened. And then you go to their sophomore, junior, senior year, like you see that there was not a significant, or that, you know, where they got to where they're shooting like 32, 33, 34%. And you're losing a significant percentage off of that just from that, couple feet you know so it isn't like i know it is an adjustment for some people i was just i was fucking with you but yeah no i mean that's 100 100 a fact i mean you look at just the consistency it takes to shoot from farther range like you you when the line gets put back and you just look to the statistics of all the shooters that went through that change that season in college level even jumping to the nba their percentages will go down if they're not a good shooter and their consistency they're a good shooter. Consistency usually stay the same. And no, I, I didn't know coach Weber said that, but that's 100% true. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That was just like, I, I love Bruce Weber. That was, that was one of my favorite coaches, dude. I think he is a way yeah. underappreciated college basketball coach, As, especially from an X's and O's standpoint, his, his style doesn't, I think work at the power five level now because of how he gets a recruiting class in and then it's keep them four or five years and develop a team you know, and then like year one, they might not be very good, but then year two, three, four, you start to see it kind of come together. And then by the time it's year four, they're really good winning the league or something like that. And in today's age of college ball, like you just can't really do that, you know, or it's a lot harder to, unless you've got culture that is just so good that you can avoid the transfer portal and not have to play that game. And don't, everything. don't, don't use that word, please. Not culture. What? Don't you don't No, I don't even no, I'm just saying or whatever it is, like whatever you're doing <laughs> to keep people am I wrong? Just being realistic. No, you're you right. Know? Like I you just... think about like the teams that they had with uh Dean Wade and Barry Brown and Xavier Sneed and uh and all those guys, you know. No, which were you're some really good teams. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I just don't like the word culture. <laughs> okay, your environment. Your whatever environment you're fostering is is positive enough that people want to stay there. For all That's, from all kinds of different aspects, whether it's a basketball situation, it's about NIL, whatever it is, you know. 
No, that's true. I just, I think coaches use the word culture a little too much in my opinion. Oh, it's 100% a sports buzzword for sure. Like a coach speak word, you know, but that was one of my things I always respected about him, but it was unfortunate for him that his last group went through when they did right before the transfer portal and everything, because then he couldn't get another group that could stay together and ultimately got fired, but he's a really good coach. Um, All right. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. Uh, First, we're going to talk about Iowa's uh, exhibition win over Truman state. Talk a little bit about their season that uh, officially gets underway next Monday night. We'll talk about Iowa state basketball too. Um, Preview some of that stuff. They open up next Monday as well against IUPUI. Uh, What else we got here? The Michigan, Michigan state fight. Brian Harson got fired. Uh, and we got some more stuff, but all right, let's talk about Iowa. Their win over Truman state. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, uh, Truman state would probably finish last in the big 10 based on, uh, what I'm looking at from these statistics, but what do you think of the Hawkeyes? Well, I do give, um, you don't know this, but, uh, the, the coach of Truman state actually is Jeff Horner, who was a legendary Iowa mm-hmm. Hawkeye player. Um, yeah, and, I didn't yeah. mean that. I was just, yeah, I didn't mean that to, to no, add I, on to I didn't know if you knew that yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah, but I knew that, yeah. They actually have, I think they're, the last year, they're one of the top teams in D2. Like they have a really solid squad, and he's done a really good job. He's going to be a head coach in a D1 school fairly, that, fairly soon. That league that they are in, dude, is no joke. Yeah. Like, there are some dudes in that league. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they're always good, but Northwest Missouri – I think they play in the same league as them and they're like yep. dynasty. I mean, unbelievable yep. at every single season. But you just look at like the different, I think these early games, I hate these early games. I think there's no benefit for the, the better team, the D1 mm-hmm. team. I don't know why I get it in a sense. It's like a dress rehearsal, but anyway, when you, when you watch these games, you kind of like see the jump that it takes to go from like D two to D one basketball. I mean, it is a huge jump just by watching these games. Like guys are more athletic guys can shoot the ball better. They're way more disciplined. You know, they don't turn the ball over. You just go down the line. It's, it's pretty crazy to see now that I'm outside of basketball, uh, college basketball, because I didn't really notice it when I was in there, but dude, it is, it's really crazy how much that jump is from D two to D one, man. They have, uh, they have a lot of guys from Iowa on this team. They do, yeah. Guy from Cedar Rapids, Eldridge, Boulder Straight. I played against him. He's a six-year. Uh, Montezuma. Man, they, like they're small towns too. Eldridge, like guys that went to North Scott, Charles City. Man, yeah. I love they're to repping. see it. Yeah, they are yeah. repping. I love to see it. Uh, but what do you think of the Hawkeyes though? How how do you feel like they looked? I think they looked as expected as they showed against, you know, an exhibition game team, but for them to be good this year, I think Chris is going to have to average 20 plus points a game. Um, Tony is going to bring his defense. He's going to get turnovers. He's going to rush the pace on the defensive end. Um, and his offense will kind of be sparked from that, but they don't really have that guy this year, like Luca or you know, Keegan last year, you know, just go down the line from years being on end, Joey's camp, you know, Tyler cook, Isaiah Moss. There's always a lot of scorers on the Iowa team. This year, there is not really that noticeable guy. Obviously, Chris being Keegan's twin brother, Keegan proved himself to be that guy last year, but they're totally different players. So if if they want to be great, I think Chris is going to have to average 20 points a game. And defensively, I think they'll be the best defensive team in, in France era. What's that backcourt look like? What do you think of some of those guys that have coming back? What was it like practicing against them? How'd you see them coming up, I guess? Only one I, I played against AU or with AU, obviously, and um, Tony. DeSante, he's a freshman. He played really well. He had eight assists, zero turnovers in the game. I think he did a really good job of, of pushing the pace. It's kind of weird watching Iowa now because obviously me playing there for so long, there's always that shooting guard at the one mm-hmm. that was able to pull up in transition this year. They're not going to have that. So I think from that aspect, it's going to be different from coach McCaffrey's offensive scheme of bringing the ball down and shooting it quick. I think honestly, they might play a little slower this year because of that aspect, because there's not that dominant scorer on, on the backcourt 
you know, with Keegan bring, bring, uh, being able to shoot the ball inside or Luca was in the inside this year, it's going to be a little different. So I don't know. I, I think, I think DeSante will work his way into playing a lot of minutes once he gets down with the pace of the game. Cause that takes a while that, that takes games that takes mistakes to happen. And he's got to work through those mistakes for him to get those heavy minutes. But I think when that happens, I think he's going to be a really great point guard for the IOC guys. Is, is Aaron Ulis injured? I'm not. He got suspended. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know what the situation was there. Yeah, uh, he would have been the one. I think that suspension might hurt him a lot more than what more people think. Because if one person, I mean, you know, being smart in sports, that when an opportunity is taken away from you, another opportunity rises for someone else. And when mm-hmm. that person makes the most of that opportunity, it's hard to turn your back on that guy that just did what he did. So I think DeSante having the game he did, he's going to earn more minutes heavily or slowly and steadily in the future. And if he keeps continuing to improve, then it's going to be hard to keep him off the court. It's about earning that trust. You yep. know, like that's what I've, I've figured out being around coaches as much as I have. And just, I mean, now covering a couple different basketball coaches and things. I mean, for as much as anything, they're going to put you out there as much as they trust you, you know? And if they got someone who's showing up and doing their job every night and it's like, and you can't do that, you know? I mean, I don't know enough about Aaron's situation, but it's like, I understand where you're coming from because coaches want to be able to trust you and know that and rely on you, you know? Yeah. I think, I think too, this is the first year I kind of alluded to it already, but him just not to be more a facilitator. I think it will honestly be more beneficial for Chris and Tony and those guys. Tony played the one this last game, but when DeSante is able to come in and AU once he's back to have being more facilitator, that is going to help Chris a lot to be able to, you know, just concentrate on shooting the ball instead of, you know, being that playmaker guy that Chris probably should be, but having facilitator is so important for any score on any team. So I think that will be very beneficial once big time play hits as well. Once, you know, they play Iowa state, play Duke, all these better teams that they're going to need that facilitator. They'll have those high assist games, all turnover games. How do you, this is a kind of a off topic pivot, but how do you feel like Joe Toussaint's going to do at West Virginia coming into the big 12? I don't think he could have picked a better school. I was just going to say, I feel like he picked a a pretty perfect spot for his game to go and play for Bob Huggins. Yeah. I mean, you look at his abilities, his strengths, I mean, his weaknesses, obviously he's not the best shooter. I mean, he can shoot, mm-hmm. but he's more prone to drive the ball and set other people up. So that from that aspect, I mean, that's perfect for West Virginia to have a guy like that to come in and just set guys up and take care of the ball and push the ball. But he's also somebody, like one of the best. I would say somebody you know is going to want to get after you too. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to be a guy that's going to pick up 94 feet. What, what, what you know, Coach Huggins wants. He wants a guy like that. They, that's who he recruits. He's going to be the fastest guy in the gym, the quickest guy in the gym. I mean, he's literally the best, the perfect kind of style of point guard that he wants. So I, I see him finding his way into that heavily, heavily logged minutes in that system. And I mean, he's earned trust too. I feel like already by any transfer, like playing under coach McCaffrey, I feel like coach McCaffrey is pretty respected amongst a lot of coaches in the NCA. And if he's able to earn, a spot there and did what he did. And I thought he had a great career at Iowa. He's going to, that kind of, I felt like that was really beneficial for him heading into West Virginia already. Well, if he gets this guy's trust, he can get anybody's trust. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's a hall of fame coach. Yeah. <laughs> he dude, He he's as good as you're going to find, man. He's so much fun to like, to kind of cover too, and be able to go to some of his press conferences and things like that. And just, watch him on a nightly basis. I mean, obviously I don't do it on, you know, live, but like watching his teams and things like that, his teams played are really tough. You know, like when, if you just have an appreciation for gritty basketball, you love Bob Huggins, teams. I agree. I mean, he's, I, I think his career stats states for itself. I mean, that's why he's a hall of fame coach. And the best thing about it to go back to Joe Toussaint a little bit, it's kind of, piggybacks off what you're saying about coach Huggins. I mean, obviously coach Huggins, you recruit great guys to be able to provide to the program. And Joe Toussaint's a guy that will just do whatever you know coach says. And I think that it's a, that's why it's going to be such a great fit. 
Who do you think should, I don't know, this is kind of random too. Who do you think of that, but a preseason prediction, who's going to be the best team in the Big Ten this year? Um, Indiana, for sure, is my one. Illinois, two. Michigan, three, is my top three. Four, five, and six is going to get a little little dicey. I do see Iowa working their way in. They're, I feel like they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. They're going to be like eight and 12 to 10 and 10 area. Indiana though, it's just hard to go against someone overtaking that spot because Indiana proved last year. They, they can do it and they have all the same guys back. And on top of a really great recruit coming in at the mm-hmm. point guard spot as well. So they just need a shooter, man. If they have a shooter, that's a final four team. So if Miller cop can step up and hit four to five threes a game through even three games, three threes a game, they're a final four team in my opinion. Is Ray Thompson your Big Ten Player of the Year, or who? Trace Tom, uh, Trace Jackson. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis. That's what I meant. Sorry, Ray Thompson. Iowa State recruited Ray Thompson, so for some reason, yeah, Ray Thompson is still there too. He's six year. Uh, oh, so he's on. He's on your your scholarship plan. Well, there's a lot of six years. No one's talking about. It. Why did everyone talk about my career? And then there's like you know, Connor's a six year, Phillips a six year. It's because you're you're the short little white shooter, man. Like that's what happens to everybody. It's just like Phil Forte. Like it seemed like he played forever. Svi Mikhail Luke. It seemed like he played forever. You know, it's just that it's, you're just that stereotype. Wow. I'm just being honest with you. That's just why it is. People just, people don't like those guys as we've much discussed on this show. That's true. But he's another one that was around forever, but yeah, go ahead. But to go back to your question, I think there's no one other than, I mean, Chris Murray can take that spot away from Trace Jackson for player of the year. Um, I mean, Zach Eady has a chance. He's who I was going to throw out there. What about Zach Eady? Yeah, yeah. Zach Eady has a chance. Uh, Illinois, they have a great freshman, Sky Clark, coming in. I think he's going to be probably freshman of the year. I don't know that it's the big, the big 10 this year is heavily, heavily down. It will be, I think they might get only five teams in this year. Wow. Six teams in. Wow. But that might change if the first three weeks of the season tells a lot about how a conference is going to turn out in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, I feel like too, I mean, you probably already understand this, but like the big 12 and like other, obviously the big 10 and all the other conferences, the teams are going to cheer for the other teams in the conference Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year, because they want the conferences to be best as possible comes conference play more quad one wins, more opportunity to go on the road and take a quad one win. Even if it's a quad two win, when you, when you start having, you know, quad three wins or quad a lot of more quad three games, a lot more quad four games, your resume is going to be detrimental at the end of the season. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's a lot's going to like Iowa playing Iowa state and they go play Duke. Like that's going to be a huge point of the season in in Portland. They play Duke at Madison square garden and then they turn around and have a one day prep for Iowa state. Oh wow! <laughs> and that's them getting back. Wow. They have the they have the late game at uh, nine thirty, I think, against Duke. So that means they fly back. They're gonna get back really late. They have one day prep, and yeah, they. Turn oh, okay. I know what you're doing. I know. What no, you're doing. I, I I know what you're doing. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I'm not. I know I'm, what you're I'm doing. strictly stating a fact here. You're starting to build it already. You're building the. I'm not building anything. You're building the excuse. You're building the excuse. It's okay. It's okay. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. When you play a one day prep, it's going to be a tough. I guarantee you if Iowa state went in Madison square garden and turned around and played Iowa one day, late, two, two days later, same exact <laughs> statement's going to be made. Whatever that Friday is that next day, huh, this game didn't even matter. It was, it was one day prep. Of course, Iowa state won. Of course, Iowa State won. It was a one-day prep. I already know how it's going to go. No. 
It might not come from you. You might even tweet at me and say it was one day prep, so it doesn't count. I will never say a game doesn't count. That is just an idiotic statement. Just, just reminding everyone this game was after one day of Brett. Just, just a reminder to everybody. That's, that's no, I won't even say that. I'll say, I'll say something more along the lines. If they do lose, that I bet that trip from East Coast back to Iowa took a toll on their bodies, and they weren't at their hundred percent when they played Iowa state, that's what, that's something I would say, which is true. It's a fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just funny. It, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. You shit. Uh, all right. Iowa state does open their season next week too. I feel like, uh, honestly, we were talking about Joe Toussaint after, I don't remember when he committed or any of those things, but I feel like in hindsight, he's the kind of guy who would have been good on Iowa state's team this year. They, mm they're going to end up playing a true freshman at point guard probably most of the time, which I think will be fine. They've got uh Taman Lipsy who's a, who came from Ames and was obviously such a, uh, you know, was such a good player at Ames high and won a state title last year, had triple double in the state championship game. Like he's a, a really good player. Uh, but I think as a true freshman in the big 12, you're going to go through bumps. You know, Tyrus Hunter went through a lot of bumps last year too, even though he was obviously such a, you know, good player. And then, uh, you know, had a good year, but, uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know if their team's going to score more than like 50 points a game, dude, honestly. I don't even know what to expect from Iowa team or Iowa state teams, because going from a two win season to what they did last year, like, how do you even predict? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they only have four guys back from that team last year. Right. So Which I think th- like the four guys they do have back, I think are good guys to have that. It's like kind of your, I know you hate the word culture, but your culture setters, you know, your leaders. Okay. People who are good leaders in the locker room that I think people can look at and they set a good example for what you want, you know, but also, you know, you don't have Isaiah Brockington back. You don't have Tyrese Hunter back. Uh, it, you do get better on the front court, but I just like, have no idea if you ask me right now today, who's Iowa state's leading score would going to be, I would probably say Gabe Kalsher because he's the guy I've seen play the most, but I also don't know how much, how confident I am that Gabe Kalsher is going to be consistent enough to average, you know, 15 or 16 points a game like that, that you need to, to be that big time leading score on a team. That's only going to score that many, like not going to score that many points, you know? Yeah. I would imagine he probably, I mean, he's going to have to make that jump. Think about their line or their, their team this year. I, mean, I don't see anyone having that ability other than him, honestly. Well, I mean, the other one that I would say, I think is going to make a, a big leap is that Oshun Oshunive that they got from oh, St. Yeah. Bon- Bonaventure. He's legit from everything that I've heard. Like he's yeah. the real deal. They feel real like they feel really confident that their front court is considerably better, you know? Uh, but I don't know. Like I said, when you got to play true freshman in the backcourt, man, that play in that point guard spot, I don't care who it is. You're going to go through lumps in a league like the big 12, where you just have, you know, nothing against the big 10, but when you can go and play a Nebraska dude, <laughs> or oh Minnesota God, last I... year or like whoever, you know, dude, I hate that argument. I hate it. Nebraska beat Wisconsin on senior night or Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska. Like what the fuck are we talking about? Any game you're not going to sit here and say this about any game. How many Nebraska, how many big 10 games has Fred Hoiberg won? How many big 10 games has Fred Hoiberg won? Nebraska was good at the end of the season. That was one team we did not want to play at the end of the season. Okay. At the end of the season, they were terrible at the beginning of the season. Yes, but that doesn't matter. Okay, you say the same thing about fucking I mean every team, any any team in the in any league can be anyone at any given point. Well, not Iowa State in twenty nine in twenty twenty twenty. They couldn't beat anybody on any given night. Yeah, they checked out though. That was that was something I've never seen in my life, honestly. I've never seen a team check out like Iowa State did. That team actually had some times where you're like, man, you got these guys, you can tell they're still trying, you know, where it's like they would have show a little bit of life, but every time they showed a little bit of life, it would like fizzle out so quickly, you know, but yeah, that was a, 
That was a tough deal. I mean, I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying when you talk about having those teams, like, okay, I think that it's more because the big 10 is so much bigger where you got those four extra teams. It just makes it like a different dynamic. It makes it harder from the, uh, the, I'm just saying when you got to play everybody twice, like it just is different, you know, you you can scout everyone so well when there's only nine other teams you have to scout. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. What you're, you know, everyone knows that what everyone's doing on, in any league, the coaches, like in the big 10, like coaches are well known from beforehand where they were coaching at and until when they got in the big 10 and some of the longer tenure guys, they run the same exact sets. They run the same exact defense and schemes. Everything is all scouted to perfection. Like everyone knows what they're doing. It's all about execution. Okay. Well, it's hard either way to play freshman as a, be a point guard as a freshman, either way. It I doesn't agree. matter what league you're in, I, whatever, I what five league. But yeah. you said in the big 10 is different, which is not true. I mean, I just do think it is different because you don't have the double round Robin. I think that's different. I just think it's different. How's that dynamic. different? How's that different? It, just, it just is a different dynamic. I just think that it creates a different level for each game when you've got to play each other twice every year. Yeah. But big 10, you're playing teams twice too. Switches not every, every year. team though not every team you don't play switches every, team every year but just think about how when you can build up those things the animosity with people and things like that because you play them twice every year you know that they are coming to your house every year and you got to go to their house every year it's just different you know we're not we're not talking we're no we're not doing this about it's just different i'm just saying it's just different no, i just think that you it's different. said no you said that you had teams like nebraska like because nebraska minnesota is good too like no because they everyone's they stink. good nebraska stinks who did nebraska yeah. lose to in the non-conference last year they lost to somebody North terrible Dakota. Yeah, I was gonna say they lost to some bad teams in the in in basketball. So does every team? Like every every team has no, not every team. Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. Like Nebraska was ten and twenty two, four and sixteen in the league. They lost to Western Illinois in their season opener. They lost to Western Illinois was good. Don't even know. We played Western Illinois. Western Illinois is a good team. The thing is, like the normal. I'm not saying you're a normal fan. You obviously know way more about basketball than the normal fan, but I'm saying like everyone in the division one basketball, all you have to do is play your best basketball for 40 minutes to beat someone. And if you have a well-disciplined team, anyone can beat anyone on a given night. The Lloyd majors are a little like the fucking, I don't even know their conference names at this point, but like, the lower major schools, like yes, it's a lot more difficult to beat some of these powerhouses. But mid majors, dude, like mid majors are really fucking good. Like all those guys are like heavily recruited out of high school. They're very talented players. I mean, you don't have to convince me of any of this. I'm just well, looking at Nebraska's roster right now, and I'm saying this team was not very good. What do you mean? They're not looking guy... at their roster. I'm looking at what at the scores that they put up. At the end of the day, like, okay, yes, can they play? They had, who, yes. they had a they guy did... that drafted in the first round. Like, what do you mean? Okay, they had one guy get drafted in the first round. Why didn't they play better ball? They did. They figured they went out. 10 and 22. They went 10 and 22 and 4 and 16 in the league. They beat Wisconsin on Cedar night when they were fucking to win the Big Ten outright. They lost. You know how hard that is to do? Yeah, and then I watched that same Wisconsin team two weeks later get beat by Iowa State. Like, I don't know. Maybe they weren't playing that good a ball at that time of year. That's my exact point. Like, teams could be anyone. Like, you're, you're down playing, like, Nebraska. Nebraska had very talented players. They have a good coach. Like, they just didn't figure it out. But that doesn't mean they're a bad team. Well, unfortunately, that would uh, hold a lot more water if they had figured it out at any point in like the last however many years. I, I, I just don't agree with downplaying like teams in certain leagues, like especially power five conferences, because if you're in a power five conference, you're, you're a very solid basketball team. All right. That's fair. But at the end of the day, I'm still saying Nebraska is not a good basketball team. Go ahead. They still beat fucking who they beat. They beat Purdue too. Didn't they? What was the other team they beat? Yeah, they won three games in a row to end the season against uh, Penn State at Penn State at yeah, Ohio at State, Penn State at Wisconsin. Yes, dude. Yeah, what like what are you talking about? They weren't a good basketball team. 
you know, how random is that though, that they were one in 16 in the league and then won three road games in a row to end the at, season at one of the three hardest places to play in the big time. Yeah. Penn Their State only other league win was against Minnesota. Penn state is so hard to win at the fact they did that. And then they went around and beat Ohio state at Ohio state. They went around beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And you're telling me they're a fucking bad basketball team. Well, I would feel encouraged for Nebraska's prospects coming into this year if they had like any of that team back, but I I don't think that they do. They do. They have a uh, CJ Wilcher. They have him back. CJ Wilcher and, and Derek the lefty Walker. shooter. Derek yeah, Walker, and, lefty shooter. Uh, Kasai. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, Tala. Tala Kanai. Yeah, Kisai. Kise uh, Tominga or Tominaga. I don't know. Tominaga, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that was the, the, the one yeah, from Tominaga. Japan. Yeah, the one from yeah. Japan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll believe that they're going to finish better than 14th in the Big Ten when I believe it <laughs> or when I see it. The thing is, you put them in any lower major or mid-major conference, they're, they're, going, they're going to be up there with almost winning the conference. Well, I mean, this obviously is a relative discussion. Like, we're, I'm talking relative to the Big Ten, not to all of basketball. What are you general. fucking Albert Einstein? What are we talking about relativity? Well, what am I? What are we talking about? Are they a good I don't Big know Ten team? They went four and point. sixteen. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Like, okay, would they would they beat Kennesaw State? Yeah, no, because yeah, I saw I can see on their schedule that they did beat school. Kennesaw State. That's a that's low major school. But you're, then okay, then they got smashed by Creighton. middle school team could beat them. Okay, well let's not go that far. That might be a stretch. There was a time when those guys at Kennesaw were a star on their team too. Sounds like something Coach McCaffrey said. <laughs> this is the funniest thing ever. Every time we we would play like these like buy games, you know, bring the teams in just to kick the living shit out of them. Mm-hmm. We do a scouting report, always two day prep. We we come in first day, and we get our scouting report. Coach walks in. It's happened happened every single time we play one of these teams. He goes, he looks at he looks at the board. He points to all these guys. He goes, all these guys now, they all can go. They all on do it. Division one scholarship, and we're all just and that was it. And then we started watching the film. Said it every time. So we're like, I mean, we get it. Like we know they're on Division one scholarship, but how many times did you ever watch their film and you were like, oh shit, okay. The funniest thing is when we played these teams and, you know, a lot of these teams have like 16 new guys every year because right. everyone just like transfers out and goes to a division two where they're like, I want to go and be the star of my team again. Yeah. So like we're watching when we watch film with these guys and we're watching like high school, like ball is life mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Like oh, nothing geez. to do with like, we're like, what are we doing? Like, this is like recorded on a little, like, disposable camera on these highlight films. I feel like at like, this you know, point going, going somewhere like that is almost like going to junior college. It's like, can I go and ball out here? And then can I go and play somewhere bigger, you know, with the transfer portal and the ability to transfer one time? I think it, it will shift to, it's almost like a different like league almost now. I think that they should, I think it would be smart for them to drop some of those teams out of division one frankly. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of, I think division like power five teams need to stop playing them. First off we're playing, we're paying 60 to $70,000 just to beat the living show. These guys. Mm-hmm. And, and probably a pizza, probably giving them a pizza too. Yeah. Pizza with no sauce or toppings, just dough, no box. Just, and, just dough and just 60,000. Here you go. Yeah. And 60,000 in cash. I want in a briefcase in a, or like in a duffel bag. In no, a, no in duffel an Iowa bag <laughs> they just throw the cash at them. Pick it up. Make it of, rain. They just make yeah. it rain. I always thought that was a wild concept though. We bring, it's we like, bring uh, teams in. It's like, uh, have you ever seen like they do the drops like in a game where they'll have the little like oh, yeah. that floats around and they'll drop it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where, how they get their money. Uh, yeah. but no, that is a weird concept that they do that. I, it's honestly kind of fucked up. It's actually super fucked up if you really want to like go to the very like nitty gritty of it. But uh, I mean, it's all about the schools being able to, you know, fund their athletic department. And then a lot of times too, at schools like that, 
the athletic department is how you get kids to go to school there. So yeah, I always thought though, like this is just a prime example of how shitty athletic programs are with their budgeting and money. I mean, we saw it firsthand with COVID. They just, everyone had to cut sports cause they just don't, they go year by year with their mm-hmm. money. But I mean, you're paying, well, let's say there's four to five, four to six buy games out of the year. I mean, that's 60 to 80,000 depending on the negotiation times that by, you know, four to six, that's a hefty price just to get four to six wins on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's the most bizarre thing in the world. Like, usually played, it's more than four to six too, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably like, I mean, it's probably closer six, to 10, six to 10. Yeah. It's probably yeah. eight to 10. I, I mean, you're, you're probably pushing close to where you're, you're spending half a million dollars on that, you know? Yeah. Well, makes no sense to me. At Iowa, when, well, you, got we wanna, when well, you got a hundred million to spread around, man, you got to spend it somewhere. Well, we want to complain about players getting any source of income or coaches. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where these buyouts after, or where this money has to go. I mean, what good is making one hundred million dollars in media rights if you can't spend forty-one and a half million of it on coaches' buyouts, like what Auburn has done over the last three years, firing Gus Malzahn? And Brian Harson, they also have to pay five million dollars to buy out their defensive coordinator, or they did. When they hired Harson, they had to buy him out, which was five million. So then, between Gus, Kevin Steele, and Brian Harson, they have paid forty-one and a half million dollars in buyouts in three years. That is fucking insanity. I'm not shocked at all, though. I'm shocked to an extent that schools just keep doing this. They keep doing it. Why do schools do this? They act like they don't have any leverage at all. Like there's millions of coaches, you know, like if a coach is like, yeah, you have to give me this buyout for me to sign this contract. I'd be like, well, fuck you. We're just going to go sign another. We're going to find another coach. There's a lot of other coaches who can do the same thing that you will. I think. Yeah, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I, the era that we are living in now is you want things right now, right? Like from uh, off the court to on the court, you know, you want to win right now. You want to develop players right now. You don't want to wait. You don't want to rebuild. You want everything right now. So boosters, like they're going to do whatever they want. If the coach isn't doing a job in the first half of the season, just buy their contract out. Fuck it. I just don't get it, dude. I mean, look at Indiana basketball. They've gone through Tom Crean, Miller. How does that solve a problem? That's why I'll never understand. It doesn't. It doesn't. Just... First off, like you, you see teams coming in or coaches coming in and they recruit all these guys. And sometimes it takes two to three years for these guys just to develop and, and be able to be put on the field or, co- or court. And they don't have the time to even have the chance to create that team atmosphere for them to even contribute to the team. Well, and if you're a new coach too, and you don't have, you know, say you're going somewhere where you don't have a ton of NIL or something like that. How do you make a splash in recruiting? it's not like you can go and build like relationships and get people in fast enough, especially with like how the timetable is now, you know, like you really gotta be a, you gotta be a damn good recruiter right now, especially in college basketball to be able to get players at the level you need to be competitive year in and you're out like damn good. And your staff has to be damn good recruiters. If all of them. I mean, all you need is a bag of cash. Nothing changed. Nothing has changed with recruiting in my opinion though. You give, you yeah, give so, is that of, what you're saying? Is that what you're saying happened for you to go to Iowa? They had the bag of cash. Coach McCaffrey had the bag shit. of cash. If if they did, I would have already announced it when they, I graduated that it happened. They were giving it to giving it to you the same way that they were giving it to their buy teams. Their the the buy game teams. Think about that though. Like we're paying these teams, dude. It's just a wild concept. When there's 15 guys on a team. Like what the fuck? 
And those guys you, you don't get, get a eat. damn thing. They don't get a we damn thing. don't get thing. a damn thing from that. Like, how crazy is that? Like, That's is... the craziest part. Those guys don't get a damn thing. Yeah, they get to go to school, but they also have to miss, like, six weeks of school to go on this tour. That's the other, the, so the other, the, that's the counter, the argument I hate when people say, oh, they get tuition paid for. Dude, first off, the experience, the college experience that, all right, two things. One, when you commit to a school, the athlete's not committing to that school for academics. They're going for basketball or football or whatever sport they want. And I forgot my second point. I don't even know what I was, what were we talking about before? Oh, just about the guys missing all the school. Oh, and then the second point, it's not even the same academic experience as a normal student. If a, if a college athlete wants to come to college and they want to, okay, work really hard in academics, which is perfectly fine, they, they can't sign up for the same exact classes as a normal student. They can't take, they can't be a medical student. Like they can't do all these things that a normal student can do. It's not even the same field. It's not possible with their schedule that they have. They have a full-time job already which a lot of students do, but they also have like a lot of more time commitments as being an athlete and being around that, you know, atmosphere in college that they can't, you know, sign up for classes at this certain time slot. And as anyone that's been through college know how hard that is to even sign up for a class, to create a schedule with a time slot. Imagine like getting that like shrunk down into only three hours of the day. You can only schedule a class. It's not possible to be even close to as the same as a student. I've known a couple of Iowa state football players who were engineering majors, but they're like the smartest, some of the smartest people that I've ever interviewed or anything like that. You know, like people yeah. that are, you're like, these guys are next level intelligence type of people, you know, that they're they really have like that outliers. capacity. Yeah. I would say like, those are outliers for most college athletes, you know, just like generally, I think if you would look up and down of most college athletes, I don't think that most of them would be guys that are going to go and get 4.0s in like electrical engineering, <laughs> you know, yeah. or something like that. Right. Like that. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I, the buy games thing is, is super fucked up, but that's what makes it even more funny. Like when someone loses one of those games, you know? It's like you paid those guys to come all this to way beat your ass. to beat your ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's as crazy of it all. And that happens like every year. Every oh, it happens a lot. Year. It's going to happen next week. Oh like yeah. There's going to lose. And you know, who's going to tweet about it. John Rothstein's going to tweet about it. It's going to be the epitome of brutality. That's what he says every time. Yeah, I'm going to tweet the shit out of the games this year. Be like, I'm, I'm going to like heckle the like, the, the fan bases and stuff, the teams that lose. The officials? Like, yo, not that, well, the, I'm going to be crazy on the officials this year too, but like, yo, you guys just paid a bag to get your ass beat. Like, ha, ha, ha. Man, just wild shit. Like, I'm just going to go all in this year. If the I'm players, gonna, I'm going to email they, the ADs, here, like, I'm going to email coaches. Here's what should happen if the players go and win the game, they should get the money for going to the game. What do you mean? Like if they, if for what they got, what, what the school got paid to, to, to do the buy game. If like, okay, say whatever, Alabama state goes to, or goes to Minnesota and won, and they got paid 60,000. The players should get a portion of the 60,000 for winning the game. That's what I think. See, I, I look at the opposite way because these schools are basically fundraising. Like they have, they have to do this to stay afloat, right? Mm -hmm. to even like play in league games and travel for league games. I think even, I think it should be looked at the opposite way. The teams that are paying these guys, they're the ones that are more important here because the, the, other, the other guys are doing what they should. Like they're trying to fundraise. They're trying to provide for their program. But the guys that are like the power five schools, the guys that are creating a lot of revenue for these universities, fuck it. Like, what are we doing here? Like let those teams figure out their own way. Right. Like who cares? You know what I'm saying? But they don't want to play each other because they might lose to each other. <laughs> you know, Dude, it's like the softest thing. I hate. I hate that. I mean, am too. I am I wrong? No, that's that's what every coach believes in, and I hate it. Like, go play teams on in mid November that are gonna challenge you. I mean, it's just like uh, it's like uh, they they tried to make this whole thing in the mid major leagues where like 
a whole block of games would be blocked out in February. And like all the leagues would agree to a scheduling agreement where in late January, they would like match them up, you know, based on RPI or based on whatever strength is, you know, strength of opponent to try and make it to where they could get a bunch of really good games and make it like a huge bracket busters event. And not, and the coaches said, no, the, all the commissioners and everything left it up to the league's coaches. And the coaches said, no, across like six different mid-major leagues. I think Which at the mid-major level is especially stupid because it's like, what the fuck? You need wins to get in the tournament. Why would you yeah. not try and do something that's actively going to get you quad one, quad two wins? You know. I think also too to kind of go off that. I think I think the aspect of some of these high-major schools wanting to continue to play these buy games, they also want like a reason why they're doing what they're doing and not allowing college athletes to continue to capitalize off like them being employees. Like they want, okay, well, we're going to play this school because one, it's going to give us a win. And two, we're providing, you know, funds for this school to continue to stay afloat, which is the stupidest thing ever, but that's literally an argument that they're going to have. So it's, I feel like it's only, it's literally a reasoning for them to continue to do this because that provides them that those two things that I said, but I mean, at the end of the day, let me, ask you this. let me ask you this. Do you think Iowa state and Iowa should play Northern Iowa and Drake? Yes. But this and go, that's different. and do home and homes. That's different. I would not home and homes. This, so then that, should they, so then should they pay Drake in Northern Iowa to come to Iowa city and Ames? No. I think it should be an initial site. And this is, this is an outlier from what I've been talking, what we've been talking about, because those games are good for the state. In my opinion, mm-hmm. like those games should happen. I do see the other side of it because, okay, Iowa, they're going to play like a Seton Hall or, S, or uh, a, another Big East team instead of a UNI or Drake, which is better for their resume. Okay. That's great. If you want to have that argument, then take out the other buy wins that you or buy games that you're that you're paying teams to come and you're going to beat their ass. If that's truly your argument, then do it then show it. Don't be half and half, which is a lot of what a lot of schools are. And that, that argument that I don't know who, whether it was Iowa's AD or Iowa state's AD or both of them combined, that's the dumbest argument ever that they said that they want to, you know, play better schools or whatever. I think, because, it was, I think Iowa was the one that wanted out of it, but I, I think that they just didn't want to renew the contract whenever it ran out from what I remember. I yeah. mean, if that's right. But then that became a whole thing with like the, that you and I and Drake came out and said, I mean, they were pissed obviously yeah. that they weren't gonna be able to play that game anymore. But I think both Iowa state and Iowa said like, well, you guys are welcome to come to Ames or Iowa city anytime. But then those schools wouldn't do that without a return trip. If I remember, if I'm remembering right, like this has been a couple of years, obviously, but I think that that's correct. Is that that's how that all worked was it's like, they, they said, it's like, you guys can come to Ames or Iowa city anytime, you know, Yeah. but we're not going to go to the nap center or go to the McLeod center. Which I understand. So I'll just put it on a neutral site. Like it was at Wells Fargo. Like I, I didn't, I played in two of those. I thought it was, we, we kicked the shit out of you and I, but I thought it was great because you're playing against kids. You kind of grew up playing, especially if you're around the area that continue to go to like you and I or Drake and you're a hometown kid. Like I was and went to Iowa. Like you're playing against guys and you're, around your family members, like a lot of Iowa fans, a lot of state of the Iowa people that came to those games, like the governor sitting course. Like, it's a cool experience. I thought that, that's like one of my most fun neutral site games was going to Wells Fargo and playing. I agree. And I think too, it's good to just, I think it's good because it makes Wells Fargo feel more like the Mecca of basketball in Iowa. You know, that's the place. Like you want to go there and play ball. If you can go and play at Wells Fargo, like, that's the biggest place you can go in the state of Iowa and play ball, you know, and it's, it's important, I think, to showcase our our state's teams, even if it's like, okay, you're not going to play Drake and you and I, why can't Iowa state and Iowa have it? Like, how cool would this be? You have it be, uh, you play at Wells Fargo one year, Iowa state plays Nebraska and Iowa plays Creighton. And then the next year you go to Omaha or Lincoln or whatever, and you do something like that over there, you know, or you do something in council bluffs even something like that, like at the Mid-America Center, and you play a big game there with Creighton and Nebraska and Iowa and Iowa State. Like, that's a kind of a thing that would be cool, you know? Or even do, like, a mini tournament 
like having Nebraska, Creighton, Iowa, Drake, you and I. Uh, Iowa State. Yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. Like all those teams and just have a little tournament every year. Do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, instead of playing these bye games early in the year, just do that. It would make that it more solves- interesting. You'd get a lot of people to go to those games too. You could pack yeah. some arenas doing that stuff. Easily pack arenas. You know, it looks good on schedules too because you're playing against solid teams instead of the dog shit teams that the you're normally playing against to begin the year. I think that makes the most sense. All right. Uh, we do want to talk about Michigan state, the four players. I think there were four players uh, suspended as well tonight after a, a scuffle. I don't even think that this is a scuffle. This is a jumping in the tunnel of, uh, of this Michigan. I think he was a cornerback. The video is insane. First things first, why the fuck does the big house, which is like the biggest stadium in America have one tunnel leading to the locker rooms. I understand that this is an old building, we can't retrofit another tunnel into this 110,000 seat stadium. I don't even know what to think of the whole thing because I, Penn state just played there and they had an issue with like players talking. Like it just happened. Like this is right. like, it seems like this should be row. something we're actively working to avoid, but I'm not blaming the Michigan guy. Why? Like there's a whole team jumping this one dude, you know, like that's just, that's kind of, that's kind of sorry. It's like, what if the I fuck did- guys? The one thing I'll say about defending Michigan State, I'm not defending fucking assault because I think that's literally what happened unless yeah. I'm missing like another video. But, but it looks like the Michigan guy like came in and started shit because he was like the only one that ran in to the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he threw a first punch and then they reacted or they just saw him talking shit and they jumped him. But it all could be avoided by all the teams at the end of the game, like going one sideline, they wait and then they go – and like five minutes later, or they just fucking have a different like tunnel. Just like, build another tunnel. Like literally. It's a huge, like I said, it's a huge building. Like at no point was anybody at no point in the hundred years that the big houses existed. Did nobody stop and say, Hey, I think it might be a bad idea to have the teams running in and out the same tunnel. Like that seems like a no brainer. That seems like maybe the first day. Someone should have thought of that. I just—that's I, that, what I don't understand. That's stupidity. That's this like that's a stupidity of college athletics thing at its fucking finest because it's like, oh, it's tradition that we only have one tunnel. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's the stupidest Stupid. shit I ever heard. I tweeted a, a video. I quote tweeted, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but there's a lot of replies saying, "Well, it shouldn't matter. Like, sportsmanship's key. Like, you should be able to handle your emotions if you're an adult." First off, okay, I agree to a certain extent, but anyone that's played sports, they can't say they can come off a crazy rivalry game like that, especially in an atmosphere like that, and expect to not talk shit, expect to not handle the emotions. It is physically impossible when you're literally put right beside the players after the game. It's not it's it's not gonna happen where guys are gonna respect each other. Well, and especially in a situation where Michigan kicked their ass, you right. know. Like Michigan state basically wasn't competitive. So it's like, you're all you in Michigan state's having a bad year. So you already know that they're like tensions are high in that scenario. You know, then you get your ass kicked in a rivalry game. And now you got to go back to East Lansing. And now you got this guy tripping at you. Like, I don't know. And it's like, man, keep people can miss me with the sportsmanship. That's so stupid. Oh, that's bad sportsmanship. Get the fuck out of here, man with some of the things that we celebrate in our society today and someone want to sit here and tell me, Oh, that's bad sportsmanship. Like, come on, come on. Most people are so soft. that say that what happened to society, dude. I, I feel like we are literally, sh- we, we should be running Charmin toilet paper. Like all of us, that's how fucking soft we all are. Like what happened? Think what the cavemen would think of us. Oh, you have no think what the people from like 1850 would think of us. They would think we're the softest people that they've, I mean, we would be the softest people they'd ever seen. They'd be like, you guys get water from the, from a tap. Oh, you don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn and go out and work in a field. Man, must be nice. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I'm a human. I complain about shit all the time, but 
I just feel like some people out there, dude, nowadays are like ungrateful. Like they complain. They just, I don't know. Like there's always something wrong in the world. There's always something to be mad about. And it's like, and the thing that, the thing that drives me the most crazy is it's not even just being like a little bit mad. You have to be like irrationally mad about things. You know, you can't just be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really care about that. You know, you, you have to have, it's like, if you're going to have a stance, you have to be one side or the other. And there's no going in between. Like one of the things that's been so funny to me, the whole thing with like, I'm not going to talk about the whole thing with Elon Musk, like Musk buying Twitter. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. There is this one aspect of it that I think is really funny. And it's about the whole verification process where he's going to, you know, they're going to charge people yeah. to be verified. I'm not going to lie of the things that he's talked about doing, I actually think that that might not be a terrible idea because then to be verified, you have to be a real person who has gone through that process and is actively paying the money to do it. And it opens the door for them to be able to moderate those things being done by those accounts, because there's only going to be a certain number of accounts that's going to do it. And frankly, people are probably been lucky that some of these things haven't cost money to begin with, you know, and if it's going to be $8, to me, it's like, I, I get $8 a month out of Twitter, you know, in what I do, but, and I'm sure that there are people out there who maybe don't, but it's like, it doesn't take much for me to justify $8, you know, to $8 a month to be able to do that. And to know that, yeah, you might actually be tweeting with a real person and there will be ways around it and there will probably be bumps to it. But I just, I think that that's like not a bad idea. And people act like the fucking sky is falling you know, yeah. talking about starting their own social media and things like that. And I'm like, get the, like, get the hell out of here. Then we go do the, it. Like, right. And how, how many times does someone have to sit there and say, we're going to start a new social media site. And you know what? We're still on the same fucking social media sites that we have been for 15 years. Yeah. There are people who have been on Facebook for almost 20 years at this point, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not getting on Facebook anymore. Like, it's just not going to happen it's not going to happen that these things are going to go away. So people need to quit overreacting about them. You know, it's like, you can be a little bit weary or leery of like, man, what's Elon Musk going to do with this? Like, I think anybody can be leery of that in a scenario where you've got one person who's going to have final say in this huge company, you know, like that is what it is. But at the same time, I don't think that that means that your fucking life is being impacted by it really in any way at the end of the day, substantially. That was a perfect example because I was going to bring that up. I think, I think just how people handle the situation in general. Like I, I hate talking politics, but dude, some people, man, like, especially like the like whole president elections and shit. Like, Oh, I'm moving to Canada. This guy gets elected. I like, bro, it's like, shut the fuck up. Like move to Canada. Then like, if you're that fucking soft, it's like, it's, it's just so bizarre to me uh, how I just people don't, handle I it. don't understand why anyone cares about that that much because at the end of the day, I don't recognize them like what they do having that much of an impact on my day-to-day life at the end of the day. If you just don't worry about it, you just, you, you probably will never even know if something's fucked up. Yeah. You might notice, Oh, the gas prices are a little bit higher or like they are higher, but it's like, if you don't sit there and think like, Oh my God, I think the fucking world is ending. Then, you know, you're going to be a lot happier. I feel like there's like a, I don't know, like a vacuum mind of where people get on the internet and it's like, you start to read a couple bad things. And then all of a sudden you think the fucking world is going to end like today, you know? Well, I don't think there's a single reporter that like wall street journal, like New York times, like Washington post. There's not a single reporter that I like want to follow. Like no matter like what fucking party they follow. Like it's just so fucking crazy. Like everything's everything, so depressing. Everything's so bro, depressing. So yeah. depressing. And then like comments, like everyone's like so, the softest people in the world. Every time that I read anything about a politician, I sit there and I say, I cannot believe that this fucking person got elected. It doesn't matter what party that they're on either side of. I'm like, I can't believe that there was someone out there who said, yeah, this is the smartest person that I know. Most politicians, I'll tell you, I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them where you sit there and you're like, someone sat there and was like, yeah, I really want this guy to go and be my voice, you know? (sighs) 
I'll get it trying to restrain myself because I, I I don't like taking sides and politics. I'm not I'm not about. talking about anybody in particular. I'm just saying it's like, no. I know you're just, not. It's just like there's just it's so just, many it's tiring, dude. Yeah. Like, it just, just gets exa- it, That's exactly what it is. It's exhausting. It's exhausting when you see people that are overreacting like that. And like you get on Twitter sometimes and it's like, man, I just want to have like a reasonable nuanced discussion, you know, like right. last, just have like, a respectful dialogue. That's the thing. It's not possible nowadays. You can't other, say one thing the other day during the game that some guy tweeted at me and he's like, uh, or no, it was after the game. I tweeted about the officials in the first quarter. At the end of the day, Iowa state, the officials had no impact on the game. Iowa state didn't play well enough to win. Like it is what it is. But this tweet, I'd fired this tweet off like three hours earlier. And he responds like, please, there was way more to why Iowa state lost the game, which again, like I had discussed that on my Twitter after that, you know, but three hours later, completely out of context, this tweet made no sense for him to be responding to. And I said, you're responding to a tweet from three hours ago. Like I just tweeted it. And, uh, he came back at me and was like, screw you saying he was going to do all this different stuff and get off or like saying he was going to get off the cyclone fanatic Patreon and like all this stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, and then he said it was because I was condescending. I was like, bro, like, what are you talking about? Why are you coming at me? Why am I the person here that is that you're directing your anger at because of the football game? You know, like just get off the internet, bro. Just don't worry about it. It's, it's just football. People can't. People really can't. Why do people let this like affect their mood? You know, the thing I always love to bring up is like talking about how fucking soft people are. Like when I, I was on an interview and I was talking about the, the gift bags we got during COVID NCAA tournament. I was like, dude, this, like, this is ridiculous, which it was. And obviously there's a little satire in it too, because I'll try to be funny. And like, I have like hundreds of people in my mentions like this dude's so ungrateful. Like this guy's so privileged. Like, like what what's wrong with him? Like, bro, like, do you just like, do guys just ever just relax and just enjoy life? Well, I and, think too, it's one of those things where it's like, you didn't ask to get that. If you hadn't yeah. gotten it, it's not like you're going to be like, what the fuck? Where's my gift from the NCAA? You know, right. it's and like people are like, you signed up for it. Like, you should just be grateful. You get what you get. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> bro, people are crazy these days. It's like you show up and they've got mini de- deodorant for you. It's like those are objectively funny things for them to put in a gift bag. You know, it's like objectively this is re- funny. Yeah, it's like, like this being is the funny dumbest, about it. Yeah, it's the dumbest like gr- like bunch of shit to give. It's like thanks, NCAA. We appreciate it. You know, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't know. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Bizarre to me. Just how, how anyone, anything's taken on context these days. It's funny too. Cause anytime like we go to bowl games, they'll have gifts for us and shit. And every time we're like, I just sit there and I'm like, why? Like to whose idea was it? They're like, this is the thing, you know, this is what we're going to give them. It's just like, all right, thanks. I guess I'm yeah, never going to use nothing. this. <laughs> I'm never going to use this. Uh, all right, man. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk about some more basketball. I'm sure we'll find plenty of other things to talk about. Have a good one. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace. Iowa everywhere.